Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Brett Gilliland. Brett is the founder and CEO of Elite Entrepreneurs, a company that specializes in giving seven-figure business owners the knowledge, processes, and tools to grow to 10 million and beyond. Prior to Elite, he spent a decade helping Infusionsoft grow from 7 million to over 100 million in revenue. Brett is an expert in organizational development, leadership, and strategy. Thanks so much for being here today, Brett. I'm excited to be here with you, Diane. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, and I, I think uh, we're going to have a great conversation, I can tell already. Um, I am wondering if you can tell the listeners like what the keys are to making that transition from being an entrepreneur to CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we talk about the keys, why don't we s- spend a minute like wallowing in the mud together? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. as, as entrepreneurs and founders, I mean, these are these are scrappy, capable, you know, gritty founders. I mean, that's kind of the stereotypical thing. And whether they've been at it for a couple years or or a couple decades, what happens is they figure out everything it takes to build this business and get it off the ground, right? To go from zero to a million is so challenging and so commendable. It's relatively few businesses that ever make it to that million dollar mark. I think even even accounting for inflation recently, right? Maybe more businesses are making that that number. But the point is, it's relatively few. And that's why we call them elite. And, you know, we want to celebrate that they got there. Yeah. But at the same time, they're dealing with new challenges. So here, here are some of the challenges that they're facing, Diane. They've they've built something that largely relies on them still to, to run. Yeah. So they're right in the middle of it. And they're trying to juggle out everything that's happening. They are often pedaling as hard as they can. If, I, if I'm going to use a bicycle analogy here, they're, they're really cranking those pedals, doing everything they can to eke a little bit more performance out of that bicycle. And they haven't figured out how to shift gears. If they were in a multi-speed bicycle, they're just, they're in that lower gear that's easier to get started on. And then they're just cranking that gear as fast as they can, as hard as they can. And they're getting little uh, incremental improvements, but they're, they're really not breaking through to that next level. And so what we do is teach them how to shift gears. So let's get to your, your question specifically, which was like, what are some of the common things that, that or what are some of the keys to being able to, to, to go from scrappy founder to, to on, like capable business building CEO? Yeah. Did, did I get that question right, Diane? Yep. Is that? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So the, some of the keys have to do with that phenomenon of, of being a, a key component to 
running the machine. They have to extract themselves as a key producer. And even if they kind of told themselves, oh, I'm not producing, I've I've surrounded myself with a bunch of good team members. If if they still got the hub and spoke thing going on where everybody comes to them with key questions, everybody comes to them for answers, or or if if they have the feeling of if I were to step out of my business unexpectedly for a couple of days, that things would start falling apart without me. Like if they're in that spot, that that's a problem. And so a key to moving forward is being able to organize the work in a way and, and building the team in a way that they can extract themselves from being a key, a key puzzle piece to the, the core operation of the business. Let me, let me just pause there. If we want to have any discussion around that aspect, we can. Well, I, I, thank you for that, because I think that is, it feels to me like that is a real struggle because what I, what I hear entrepreneurs saying is that they don't trust other people to do things the way they do them. That's right. There's this level of care and, and knowledge and experience that goes into the thing that the entrepreneur has built. They know every inch of the place. And I don't, I don't just mean the physical building. They know every right. inch of the, the customer value delivery yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And, and they personally put it together. <laughs> it's like they built the Tinker toy set with the, you know, I've got kids and I think about putting together some of those erector sets. And it's like every little screw and every little nut. And like they build this beautiful thing, but they know every inch of it. And then they bring other people along to help run it. And they're they're scared that somebody with will mismanage something. Right. It won't be just right. That will drop the ball on a customer, that the quality will dip, right? Like they just they're they're operating out of fear that the thing that they've so carefully built and, and fully invested in will not will not happen the way that it was designed to happen without them. Yes. And that keeps them from being able to pull themselves out. That's right. Relinquishing control is one of the biggest challenges for an entrepreneur. Um, Diane, do you happen to have kids? I don't. We didn't talk about. I do. That. They're adults yeah. now, but I do. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a parent. You're a parent. Remember back to the day when you started to teach your children how to drive. Okay. There's this really scary moment where this this large and dangerous object that's going to be moving down the road could could do harm to you, to the child or the teenager, to others outside of your vehicle. And all of a sudden we're, okay, my kid has a permit. I guess they can get behind the wheel as long as I'm in the chair next to them. And the, the, the initial response, the reaction we have is to reach over and grab that wheel, right? The moment that there's like, whoa, something's not right. <laughs> and we want to reach over and grab the wheel. And that's that's kind of what it feels like in our business. Letting go is really, really hard. It is. But okay, so this is what we have to do. So how do you suggest people do it in a way that isn't going to feel as awful? Yeah, so uh, there, there are a few key roles that I want every uh, certainly every seven figure business owner to to keep uh, i think this applies to lots of business owners but 
I specialize in that seven-figure growth journey. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say every seven-figure business owner out there, um, and you know, apply that to those in the you know they're on the seven hundred and fifty thousand to a million range, or they're they're at ten million plus. But every seven-figure business owner needs to do three things. They need to to own setting the vision. They need to be responsible for ensuring that we've built the team that can achieve that vision. And they need to be the one to make sure that we have the resources we need to continue on this journey, right? Said another way, the the more popular way of saying that last one is don't run out of money, right? (laughs) We got to have the fuel that we need. Don't run out of money. So of all the hats that we wear as entrepreneurs, as we're making this transition from entrepreneur to CEO, we need to divest ourselves of all the hats, except for set the vision, build the team, get the resources, right? Don't run out of money. Those are the roles that we must hang on to. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get any help on those. We, we, we need to lead in a way that others get involved to do those things well. But those are the things that we need to hang on to. All the rest of the, I guess I'll call the functional specific roles, mm-hmm. like sales or marketing or product or customer success or finance, accounting, people kind of stuff, like all of those things, we need to be able to organize work, find amazing team members, and then relinquish control to them. So so that's the way that I'd set it up is that we wear lots of hats. We've got to be able to get rid of all the all the doing hats and we got to start leading and then eventually leading leaders, which is another transition a little bit later. But that's uh, those are some of the keys, and it's it's challenging for for us as super doers because we that's that's how we made this thing go is that we learned and we did, and then we learned some more and we did. We learned how to market, and then we did marketing. We learned how to sell. We did selling. We learned how to do customer service or fulfillment at a at a larger scale as our business started to grow. Right? We learned how to implement accounting system. We we learned and we did, and we learned and we did, and we learned and we did. And now we've got to transition to leading and having others do those things. And that's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard. But the thing that I picked up on that you were talking about was being responsible for building the team that's going to be able to do those things. And to me, that feels like a, a big um, element of being well, able to do that. Yeah, it, it is a big step, Diane, but just like they learned how to do all those other things, they can absolutely learn how to be be yeah. a leader and and assemble that kind of a team. <clears throat> I, my first job description was was horrible, right? It was horrible. It was more like a Frankenstein job description, right? You go you go to Indeed or you go to ZipRecruiter and you type in the role that you want to hire for and you start stealing pieces from this job description and pieces from that job description and you push it all together and you have this Frankenstein job description is help wanted and you, and you just smile and you just expect all these great candidates to come your way. Like, no, that's not how all the great candidates come your way, but, but you learn and, and then you learn how, and that now I write what I, what I call a culturefied job description. That is like a talent tractor beam for the right people, right? The people who are attracted to our purpose in our business, the people who are, are drawn into our core values, like these these core shared identity things for my business that is unique about my business. 
I want my copy for my job descriptions to scream that kind of language and that that kind of tone and voice so that the right people are attracted to it. Well, that's that's way different than the Frankenstein job posting I talked about to begin with. But those are skills that we can learn. And, and all of these capable elite entrepreneurs can learn how to do it. They've learned so many things already. This is just the next kind of thing to learn. So, so what's the, um, apparently it, it seems to me that there must be a difference between the skills that get you to seven figures and the ones that get you to eight. That's right. Okay. Yes. So the so skill sets are different. Yeah. Um, well, you can start broadly with the, the distinctions we already made of uh, like the skills of doing, okay. right? The skills of doing, creating and, and running the machine. Okay. All of those skills are necessary to get to seven figures, but then the skills of, of strategic thinking, the skills of leadership, the skills of setting vision, these, oh. the people, strategy, leadership kinds of skills are the ones that enable you to scale from seven to eight figures. Got it. And, you know, truthfully, it's really challenging for a business owner to think to herself or to himself, man, I, I need to go get me some leadership development, right? Like they, they don't think that way. They're like, I need to grow my sales. Right. And, and I understand we're, we're about revenue growth. Let's go build this business. But funny enough, the, the, the major skills or the, the core skills that enable them to scale beyond that initial ceiling that they've, they've grown to is to start learning how to be a leader, learning how to align a bunch of people. And, and that might be six, eight, 10 people at this point, but it's no longer two or three people. It's, it's a little bit more, right? It might be 12 people, but they can't all be reporting to you. They can't all be looking or waiting for you to make key decisions. They can't all be just punching a clock and doing a job, right? You need right. to enroll them as owners in this business, as passionate participants in the purpose and the mission of this, this business. And they're co-creating it with you. And if you can enroll them in that way, because you become a great leader, now you've got, you've got capable owners who see the big picture because you've invited them into seeing it. And they've actually helped to paint the picture that you guys are pursuing together. And, and now you got people pulling together, they're rowing together. And some of the weight of that business comes off of you and it's no longer you pedaling as fast as you can on that bicycle to make it go. You actually have built many, you've built a team of pedalers and now we're all, we're all pulling together. And it's, it's a, it's a much different and, and more enjoyable ride actually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, let's talk about. how teams make decisions. And, and I'm really curious about um, how a company can like reduce their costs, like sustainably reduce costs by changing how their team makes decisions. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, Diane. It's almost like you have some insight on this stuff. Um, (laughs) So one of the, one of the, the other adjustments that has to happen, it's not just development for, the business owner. You know, it's not just the transition from entrepreneur to CEO in terms of the skill sets of the business owner. 
there are also some organizational development things that need to happen. And one of them speaks directly to the question you just asked. And I'll simply, I'll simply call it a meeting rhythm, but by, and this will, this will feel counterintuitive to some of the business owners listening. It'll feel like repulsive to many of them. Actually, it's like, you're going to add more meetings to my schedule. You're going to like make me add more. Like I already have too much on my plate. Right. But a, a good meeting rhythm will allow a business owner and and the team together to to do this tricky little balancing act that most businesses don't do and it's why they get stuck. And the balancing act is this. Most businesses get stuck in the in the busy doing of the current thing, right? So they're doing it doing it doing it as Michael Gerber so famously said years ago, doing it doing it doing it, right? And he wrote the E-Myth, which is a great book. Yeah. Um but what they have to do is also break out of the day-to-day long enough to build the next thing, right? They got to build the future of their business. And a good meeting rhythm will not only help create the balance between those two things, but but more importantly, initially, it will create time and space to be more future-focused, more, more long-term oriented, and not just here and now, day-to-day, operationally focused. So... It's a little bit of slowing down to speed up on this. Right. I was and, thinking that. I was going to yeah. say that. That's great. Yeah, go ahead. Say Yeah, say whatever you want about that. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm getting it. Oh, <laughs> you're totally getting it. Yeah. Slow down to speed up is what it is. And it's way more efficient. When you don't build these meeting rhythms in, and I'll, I'll be a little more specific here for a second. So okay. I, I believe the core components to a great meeting rhythm, there's an annual planning offsite. There's a quarterly planning offsite. There are monthly meetings to make sure that the long-term strategic planning stuff, right, this quarterly and annual planning stuff is moving forward, and to make sure that anything that's bubbling up in our day-to-day operations work that needs that needs improvement, that needs repair, that needs focused attention from the leadership team, that those things happen in a in a good monthly half day, and then a weekly hour to 90. I mean, it could be 30 minutes to 90 minutes. It's usually about an hour weekly dashboard kind of KPI meeting to make sure that the the, the current machine is is running well. So, and then daily huddles, if, if the team likes to stay focused together and make sure that we're all on the same page about what we're going to do today, there's kind of an optional daily huddle in my, my ideal um, meeting rhythm. But if you put these meeting rhythms in place and just consistently stick to them, you, you you almost can't not make progress, even if you don't run them well at first. It's just the discipline of getting out of the day-to-day to think long enough about improvements in the current operations, but also about building the future. And when you slow down enough to do that, now the team can see more clearly together and now we can take targeted, coordinated action, which is way more efficient than the other version. When you don't have a good meeting rhythm in place, then it's everybody in their own, you know, and operating in their own silo, in their own seat, doing the best they can from where they're sitting, but not seeing the whole picture, not collaborating well, or, or having to go to all your team members individually, one off to have the right conversation so that we're coordinated. So instead of having many individuals trying to have conversations with each other to figure out what's going on and how we're going to work together. If we'll coordinate that a little bit through a meeting rhythm, we can be way more efficient. 
Yeah, I think that is such a great idea. I mean, you were talking about it and I kept thinking, this is the way uh, you get people thinking about um, innovation, ideas. This is where the creativity comes from because it, it it it's like one level up from just that day-to-day grind where those conversations fuel thinking. That's right. Every single business owner out there can relate to this to the following statement. Business naturally breeds chaos. Okay? It naturally breeds chaos. And and the phone or the email or the slack or you know the text messages all all of those things will will demand our attention all day long for as long as we're sitting in front of our, you know, at our workspace, whatever, wherever our work is, whether it's in the field or in a, at a desk, doesn't matter. The the day pulls you in the direction that the, the you know the noise of that day, the people of of that moment are going to pull you. And if you allow yourself to to just completely give in to the the demands of the day, then your your entire time will be swallowed up in that. And you won't do any innovating and you won't do any intentional planning. You won't do any of that alignment kind of stuff we were talking about. You'll be way less strategic and you'll just be pulled in any direction and every direction by the whirlwind of, of the business's activities of that day or that week. And so until we learn to break out of that chaos, we we will just be swept away by it. And so our, our job with the setting a clear vision and building the team and getting the resources, the combination of those roles is ultimately producing clarity and confidence for our team. So instead of chaos and confusion, which naturally happens in our day-to-day business, we want to step into our role as the leader to create clarity and confidence. And we do that through setting the vision, building the team, the meeting rhythms, right? Making sure that we have targeted coordinated action together uh that that's how that's how we break out of that reactive mode we get more more creative less reactive and is the same is this the same way to to level up productivity yes yes absolutely because sometimes like like we talked about earlier a business owner wants to pedal faster to make that revenue line go up right you just want to see that revenue grow so let's let's just work harder um invariably it's it's a matter of clarity and confidence for the right team members now now some of us i don't i don't mean to divert us too long but some of us are carrying around um unnecessary drags on our business that we have the wrong the wrong people on our team and and we're too busy to deal with it and or the pain of you know writing that that job description i'm not very good at and then Trying to select the right candidate that I'm not very good at, and then onboarding or or, or not not onboarding them. Worse, <laughs> like all of that just feels so so overwhelming, and so we just deal with suboptimal performance and or poor poor fits, poor culture fits on our team. Right, and that just drags everything down. It's it's terrible. So, um, I got a little distracted with that with that topic. I don't remember where we were going, Diane. No, but- that that was. Uh, listen, I'm so glad that you said that because I hear a lot of companies struggle, regardless of their size, struggle with that. Uh, I can't let that person go. I need people. And uh, what I say to them is, mm, no, 
you need the right people. Those people aren't really helping you. That's They're right. causing more damage than good. That's right. They're hurting your customer experience. Yeah. Client experience. They're hurting your team morale. Yeah. Like other your good players are looking at them saying, why in the world is that right. person? Here? <laughs> exactly. and, and they're looking at you for that yes. leadership again. And they're saying, why aren't you doing anything about this? And the really good ones just get fed up with it and leave. Now you're now not only are you dealing with attrition, but you're dealing with the worst kind. You're dealing with unwanted attrition instead of getting rid of the person that's causing problems. Right. So anyway, there's lots of things that hold us back from having those hard conversations or making those difficult decisions. But the, the, the point of it is when you have a team full of great people who are all aligned towards a common objective that they help to, to get clear on with you because you led them that way. Now, all the weight is not all the weight is off your shoulders. I mean, you, you can't remove the full weight of business ownership off your shoulders, but it's way more enjoyable. And it's, and it's significantly lighter when you have that kind of clarity and confidence with a team of people who like, this is amazing how it feels to be surrounded by people who, who own things. They get the bigger picture. They're preserving my, you know, my client or my customer experience. And they're just, they, they all like, like to work with each other because we we share a common set of values and we're all excited about a common purpose. And so when you get to that place, it's just very rewarding. And that's where the performance, that's what we were talking about, Diane. Yeah. That's where the performance comes in. So I've had people get stuck. Usually it's a, it's not magically at one million, one cent, right? It's, it's, not, it's not like a hard and fast rule at seven figures, but it, it might be at 1.2 million. It might be at 1.3 million. It, they may have pushed their machine to, to two to three million, but invariably somewhere between one and three million, they get stuck and they think it's, we've got to get better at our marketing. We've got to get better at our sales. And it might be the case that you need to get better at marketing or better at sales, but it might also just be the case that you've got to figure out how to take that next step in your leadership and then how you're organizing your business to be able to break through to that next level of performance. And I've seen it time and time again, once business owners start to take this shift from entrepreneur to capable business building CEO, all of a sudden they go, they if they were stuck at a million, they just go to the next sticking point, which is usually around 3 million, right? They triple and they go, boop, I'm, you know, we got there. Or maybe they were stuck at 2 million and they got to five, but, but then they just, just like jump to the next level within 18 to 24 months. And then they've got some new things to figure out. So it's it's just the next stage. It's the next gear. And, and the next level of performance comes along with doing that work. That is great. That is great. I really appreciate this. This is valuable information for everyone listening, regardless of where they are in, in their business journey. So thank you so much, Brett, for sharing your knowledge with us. You're welcome. It's it's been my pleasure, and and I I like that you said for any really any business owner, which is true, but if they're still in those earlier stages, this isn't the highest priority work. The highest priority for them, if they're still you know three hundred thousand, might be getting their marketing message right, figuring out how to get drive consistent lead generation, and if they're if that's the right problem to be solving at that stage, then it's not about leadership and organization development, even if this is really good stuff for them to understand and, uh, and apply the right. more pressing thing for them is what's right in front of them. Yeah. But 
there are times where they think it's about sales and marketing, and that's usually around seven figures. They think it's about sales and marketing, or they think it's about product or innovation. And it's really just, those are just symptoms of the, the real issue, which is that they haven't figured out how to make that shift. Yes. Yep, exactly. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you, please? Absolutely. Um, they can find me at Grow with Elite. Dot com. So it's all spelled out G R O W W I T H E L I T E dot com. Excellent. Thank you. I'll make sure that is in the show notes as well. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.